Um, and we will also, just for ladies, for the Thursday night, uh, they are going to be putting a lot of information in the Discord group, but we'll also email that out. So if you are, one, not in the Discord group, follow the QR code uh, in the pew. The link is there. If you don't get the emails from the church, then the same thing. If you follow the QR code, look for the link that says, are you new today? And that you can uh, update your contact information there. You could also fill out the connection card in the pew. And when service is over, if you put that in the back, uh, then we'll update your information. So we send out a, typically an email every Friday, at least once, uh, once a week. And that gives that information. So if you're not getting those, we want to make sure you're getting the information. Um, hey, my name is Bobby, and I'm the pastor here, and really excited uh, that you're with us this morning. We're actually finishing up a series that we've been in since Easter uh, called The Pursuit of Happiness. This has been a, a series on the first part of Jesus's famous Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the first portion of that is called the Beatitudes, and we've been looking at these uh, proclamations that Jesus gives, this wonderful news that Jesus gives about the life that he is giving to people, that he makes possible for people. And we've been going through them um, one a week since Easter. We started with, blessed are the poor in spirit. Wonderful news. With Jesus, the spiritually bankrupt hit the spiritual jackpot. Then we went to, blessed are those who mourn. Wonderful news, because with Jesus, we are never alone in our grief, our hurt, or our failures. Blessed are the meek. Wonderful news, because with Jesus, we don't have to justify ourselves or retaliate against anyone. We are free to do good and bless others. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Wonderful news. With Jesus, we get, to, we get the best way to live, the most meaningful, healing, joy-filled, peace-saturated, hope-based, purposeful life humans can have. And it's a life we can pursue and share. Then we went to blessed are the merciful. Wonderful news. With Jesus, we, can rece we receive care, kindness, and strength for all of our needs. And we're able to share that care, kindness, and strength with others. Blessed are the pure in heart. Wonderful news. With Jesus, we have the ultimate reason to live that nothing else compares to. And then last week, blessed are the peacemakers. Wonderful news. With Jesus, we are part of bringing peace to the chaotic and hurting places of the world. And so we've been looking at each of these, these proclamations of this amazing life Jesus gives, this truly happy life which Jesus gives, the life of happiness that our hearts crave. The culture provides something that is fleeting and fragile, but with Jesus, the ultimate happiness that he provides is secure and eternal. And that's what these Beatitudes have been telling us, have been proclaiming to us. And so we're going to end with the last one today, the eighth beatitude, which says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Before we jump into this one, let's pray together and ask God to speak to our hearts. God, we, we beg that. We ask that you would speak, that we ask that we would be aware of your presence, that we would hear your voice, uh, that you would make your word clear to us. God, that you would be the one speaking. You know the weeks that every single person in here has had. You know what I've had. We know what we're carrying. And so, we, God, we come and we bring all of that before you, and we ask that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us, that you would speak to the needs that we have, the ones that we don't even know that we have, that you would show us more today of what this life is with you and why it's worth it. God, I'm just grateful for this place. I'm grateful that we can be here with you together. 
And I pray that you, Spirit, you would move in this place wherever people are watching and you would encourage our hearts through your word today. In your name we pray, amen. So as we've been doing, what I want to do is just break down the different details of this beatitude to see what it is that Jesus is proclaiming to us. But the thing to point out is that comparing this last beatitude with the first one. The very first one said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom in heaven, of heaven. The last one, it echoes that. You can hear the exact same line. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The first one and the last one have this line, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That repetition between the two creates these bookends which show us that these eight proclamations work together to proclaim this amazing life that Jesus gives us. If the first one talks about the fact that the spiritually bankrupt hit the spiritual jackpot, then this final one talks about what the reality is of living that spiritual jackpot life, of everything we would receive from Jesus. What is that living that life like? And Jesus is very specific. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Now, persecuted, what does that word mean? To be persecuted is to be harassed, to be oppressed, to be put down. One source defines it as to cause to suffer, to be mean to, or to threaten. And so when we hear this last beatitude, it sounds a bit weird, right? Wonderful news for those who are harassed. Wonderful news when someone causes you to suffer. Like, that's part of the deal? Is this a wonderful life that Jesus is giving us or a sadistic life? Are we supposed to want this? It seems a little odd to end on this one. But Jesus is giving a very specific reason. It isn't just persecution, but persecution for the, because of righteousness righteousness. And this is actually the second time that righteousness has been mentioned within the Beatitudes. In the fourth Beatitudes, it was proclaimed that wonderful news for those who desire, who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We, I quoted John Stott when we talked about that one, and he defines righteousness as the character and conduct which please God. That righteousness is the character and conduct which pleases God. It's how we go about our lives. It's how we live our lives. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. That's, that's what righteous living is in a nutshell. Be dead to sin and live for what is right. Live the best way of life, which is God's way. And so this, what is this last beatitude proclaiming to us? Wonderful news for those who are harassed for living a godly life. Wonderful news for those who suffer for living God's ways. And it's very interesting when we get to this last beatitude that it's different than the previous ones. And all the other ones, it's just... Blessed are those, and here's why. Blessed are those, and here's why. But in this last one, Jesus gives us a little bit more. He clarifies a bit more what he's talking about. He says in Matthew 5, verse 10, Blessed are you when people insult you, 
persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He unpacks what persecution is a little bit more. He says that you're going to be, when you're insulted for your faith, when people make false claims about you because of your faith. But he also clarifies a little bit more what righteousness is. When you are insulted, when you have false claims, when you are harassed because of me, Jesus says. When you experience this treatment, not because of you and who you are, but because of me and who I am, because of Jesus. We have to make sure we don't get confused on this one. This idea of blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. What is Jesus not saying here? Well, it doesn't say, blessed are those who are persecuted, and then it just ends with a big period right there. It does have the qualifier, and so we can't just say that he's saying, blessed are those who are persecuted. Again, he's not, Jesus is not promoting some weird, sadistic lifestyle where we want to get harassed or hurt. He's not saying, you are persecuted, and that's great. That's not the point. And so there's a reality check with this. This is really important. Why are you being persecuted? Jesus, the way Jesus articulates this proclamation, that why is really important. Why is this treatment being brought on you? Is it because you were living like I call you to live? Or for a different reason? It's not just, blessed are those who are persecuted. Why are you being persecuted? That's really important. He's also not saying, blessed are those who are persecuted for just any reason. He is very specific here. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Blessed are those who are harassed for righteousness, for Jesus for living Jesus' ways. If we put anything else in that blank, we're skewing the reality of what Jesus is proclaiming here. He is very clear. Wonderful news for those who are persecuted for righteousness. Put anything else in there, and that's not what Jesus is talking about. D.A. Carson says, This final beatitude does not say, Blessed are those who are persecuted because they are objectionable, because they rave like wild-eyed fanatics, or because they pursue some religio-political cause. You're not, if you're persecuted because you're being a jerk, that's on you, not on Jesus. Does that make sense? Kent Hughes says, sadly, and which gets to Kent Hughes' point right here, sadly, Christians are often persecuted not for their Christianity, but for their lack of it. And that, that line right there should convict us of everything. Many times Christians are often, excuse me, Christians are often persecuted not for their Christianity, but for their lack of it. Sometimes they are rejected simply because they have unpleasing personalities. They are rude, insensitive, thoughtless, or piously obnoxious. Some are rejected because they are dis discerned as proud and judgmental. Others are disliked because they are lazy and irresponsible. Incompetence mixed with piety is sure to be reje bring rejection. 
Why are we being persecuted? Is it because we're living the life Jesus gives? That we're living like Jesus? Or is it something else? And if it's something else, you're bringing, you are bringing persecution on for all the wrong reasons. You, don't, that you shouldn't be doing that. We should be living the life that God calls us to. Wonderful news when you are harassed because you live for and like Jesus and nothing else. Wonderful news when you are harassed because you live for and like Jesus. And remember the second half of this beatitude and the, the, the part that echoes the first, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. One thing that we've clarified all along within this series is that the Beatitudes are not a checklist on how we get the kingdom of heaven. Complete these eight tasks and you're in. That is not what it's saying. What it's saying is that this is the life that Jesus gives. And when you follow him, this is the life you now have. Not what you are going to earn, but what you have received freely. And so this isn't a list of how-tos, it's a proclamation of life. And in that, we've said that this life that Jesus is proclaiming, that giving, making possible, it's the best way to live. It's the way humans were made to live. Like I said earlier, it is the most meaningful, healing, joy-filled, peace-saturated, hope-based, purposeful life humans can have. When I think about this idea that Jesus is saying that because theirs is the kingdom of heaven, my mind goes to another portion of Matthew after the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. In these little parables, what is Jesus saying? But that the life he gives is worth more than anything else and nothing else can compare. The life that Jesus is offering is so amazing that to give up everything else in your life to obtain it is a great deal because you are getting everything when you receive the life that Jesus gives us. And that gets to the point of Jesus' last beatitude here. If you're willing to go through any type of harassment because of me and the life I've given you, then you clearly have that life. You clearly know that it is worth being faithful to, that it is worth pursuing, that it is worth living, regardless of what other people think. If you're living that life in such a way that people reject it because they don't want anything to do with Jesus, it's clear you have it. You have found the treasure. You have the pearl. You have that life. This life is worth giving up everything to obtain it, and it is worth going through anything to pursue it. Wonderful news when you're harassed because you live and live for and live like Jesus. So what does that mean for us today then? What is this be, how does this beatitude guide and direct us as we go through and live this life? Well, a couple things to first think of. First off is this. Our life with Jesus will invite ridicule but we have to keep perspective. 
Our life with Jesus will invite ridicule, but we must keep perspective. John Stott says this, persecution is simply the clash between two irreconceivable value systems, irreconcilable value systems. Every Christian is to be a peacemaker and every Christian is to expect opposition. Those who hunger for righteousness will suffer for the righteousness they crave. It's to go and live the life of Jesus in a culture that is against Jesus means that it's just going to be inevitable that persecution is going to happen. It shouldn't shock us. I've gone to a lot of Bears away games with a group of friends of mine over the last 10 years. And every city that we go to, we proudly wear our jerseys. All seven of us just going into this stadium. And we know, though, that we're wearing our jerseys. We are strangers in a strange land. The, The place where we are going, they are not cheering for our team. And let me tell you, I've been in many stadiums where they have made it very clear that they are not cheering for our team. We have experienced the reality that they are not cheering for our team through verbal clarification and also thrown projectiles at times. But this is our team. And we go in not anticipating like, oh, isn't it awesome? This team is going to cheer for us too. No, we go in knowing that these two teams are against each other. They're not on the same team. That's the point. And that's what Jesus is saying it's like living for him in the world. We're not on the same team anymore. It's two different opposing value systems. And that's going to clash. The life that we live, the Jesus jersey that we wear, is not what our world is cheering for. And so we're going to experience a lot of booing at times. And that shouldn't shock us. Jesus says in John 15, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hates me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it does, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If they hated Jesus, they're going to hate people who live for Jesus. So it shouldn't be surprising to us when persecution happens. The wonderful life that this beatitude proclaims doesn't flow with the world's value systems. And so the culture will at times reject it. That's why I say that we have to keep perspective. We have to, our life with Jesus will invite ridicule, but keep perspective. Don't take it personal. It's not about you. Too often Christians are too easily offended and then in turn interact with the world from a place of defensiveness. You don't have to be defensive. Jesus wins. There's nothing that's going to change that. Nothing is going to change who he is, what he's done, what he's doing, the victory that he's won. He's good. You don't have to be defensive. 
What you have to be is loving and empathetic and gracious and merciful. Too often Christians operate with the world from a place of defensiveness because they are offended that the world would actually treat them this way. It shouldn't surprise us. It shouldn't surprise us. So we get the opportunity then to not be offensive or defensive, but to reflect the reality of who Jesus is back to the world. That's why he says, when you are persecuted, rejoice and be glad. When you think about the way that the church typically responds to persecution, does it come across as rejoice and be glad? No, it's anger and defensiveness. We need to be grateful for who God is, what he has done, and continue to show that to the world. I'm not saying that we don't call out injustice or talk, not talk about sin or, any, or be soft on any of those things. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is that if the only thing we can do is point out everything that's wrong in the world and not point to Jesus of why he's what everyone is craving, we have missed the point of why we're here. We are meant to proclaim him, and we miss that opportunity when all we want to do is be offended by the audacity that people wouldn't agree with our faith. It shouldn't surprise us. So rejoice when you experience it, because if you're, if you're truly living the righteous life, living faithful, then people aren't going to like that in some situations, being that that's not how they want to be, and you're going to experience harassment, then be grateful for those moments because you were living the life you're meant to live. But here's the thing that we need to clarify. Christians don't search out and look for persecution. We're not searching and trying to be persecuted. We're trying to be faithful. We're trying to be obedient. We're trying to live the life that God has made possible for us. And when you do that, I also think it needs to be clarified, yes, the world will hate us generally, but it doesn't mean everyone is going to. We can't walk, the reality of who we are is going to speak the truth of who Jesus is. And for some people, seeing you and I is what they need. And so don't go up with your defensive ankles up. Ah, don't attack me. Be faithful and obedient to the reality of what Jesus has called you to. Our life with Jesus will invite ridicule, but keep perspective. Take a step back. Be thankful for who you are in Christ. Ask, how do I show the reality of Jesus in this moment? Don't react to a situation. Respond to situations in faithfulness, grace, and mercy. Which leads to the second thing. Our life with Jesus is 24-7, not only when it's easy, comfortable, and at times entertaining. The very idea of this beatitude, persecuted when you live godly, alludes to the reality that there's going to be moments where you have to choose, are you going to be faithful or not faithful? Are we going to be obedient or not obedient? And that's really when this comes into play. To live as somebody who follows Jesus, to be obedient to Jesus, is all the time. Jesus does not want to be a part of your life. He wants your life. All of it. 24-7. The best way to kind of comprehend this is if you are breathing, then you're living for Jesus. So anytime you take a breath, 
that's when you should be honoring Jesus. And that's all the time. So it isn't just when church is singing songs on Sunday that we should care about this. It's not just when a group of Christians who are like-minded get together that we should think about this. We, the life that we live for Jesus is, how do you go about your workday in the office? Are you a person of integrity? Do you do what's right even when those around you, maybe co-workers, are doing the wrong thing? Compromising ethics or values or whatever that might be? When you know I shouldn't be going about it this way, do you go with the crowd or do you remain faithful? I can't believe he's doing his reports that way. He's going to get us all in trouble. What does faithfulness look like in that moment? Do you understand what I'm saying? 24-7, we should be being faithful to the reality of who Jesus is, not just when it's convenient. And it's in those hard times, in those moments where we can't compromise, when our integrity stays intact, where we know people might persecute us or harass us or make it difficult for us because we're obedient. It's in those moments that we have to choose. Are we going to be faithful or are we going to go undercover? And God does not want you to be undercover in your faith to him. He wants you to be true to who you are, true to who he is all the time. It says in Colossians, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In everything that you do, not just a couple things. Our life with Jesus is 24-7, not only when it's easy, comfortable, and entertaining, which gets to the last thing. Our life with Jesus is what tells people about Jesus. And I've already alluded to this, but it shouldn't be a surprise to us that when Jesus gives, after Jesus gives all of these beatitudes, after he goes through this wonderful life, this wonderful life, this wonderful life, good news, good news, blessed, after he proclaims this life that he is giving to people who follow him, he then says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the salt, and you are the light of the earth. We bring the taste, and we bring the, the, the experience. We bring the experience of Jesus to a world that desperately needs him. How we live shows people Jesus. And the unfortunate reality is that many people in our world are getting a bad picture of who Jesus is today. Part of that is because of the reality is that bad news gets more clicks in news media than good. And of course, none of the good things that the church does and none of the good things that people who follow Jesus are going to get those headlines. Only the bad will. But the reality is, is that the bad still is happening. And why in the world is it? other than the fact that we compromise, that we equate our faith with other things in the world, that we don't live consistently faithful and obedient, that we don't show the world the reality of who Jesus is. And when that happens, it isn't just about a bad picture of us, it's a bad picture of him. 
You are going to show your office Jesus and how you work at the office. You are going to show your classmates Jesus and how you go about school. You're going to show your teammates Jesus and how you go experience that team and play that sport. You're going to show your neighbors Jesus and how you do life in that building. We are the living examples of who Jesus is. And if we're compromising, if we're not being true to who we are, if we're losing our faith integrity because it's easy rather than doing the difficult thing, then we're misrepresenting who Jesus is. And the world needs to see better stories about Jesus. And we can't, I can't say that to the whole world. I can't say that to the whole country. I can only say it to you. But this is what matters. Within this body, within this church family, within who we are in this city, in this place, how we live matters. How you work and play and school and everything else matters. We have to show the world what Jesus is like. And there's going to be moments when that's hard. There's going to be moments where it might mean, hey, I I need to be faithful to this. I need to be obedient to this. And I'm not trying to promote something. I'm not trying to beat somebody up. I'm just, I'm just, I can't do that. Or I need to do this. And you just do it. Or you just don't do it. Whatever righteousness looks like in that situation. And whatever the fallout of that is, then you're willing to do that fallout. And that's difficult, but you're rejoicing because you know that Jesus sees that and he is proud of you and there is reward and there is hope and we're going to continue to be faithful because the person might be mad now, but maybe at some point they're going to get it. And maybe down the road they're going to reflect on the reality of who you were and in the light of that, see the reality of who Jesus is. Who you are matters because Jesus wants you to represent him. And so as you go about your day-to-day, even if it's difficult, represent him well. Let your light shine brightly, not blinding people, but shining the reality of who Jesus is in a world that desperately needs to hear him. Let's pray together. God, we thank you again so much for this life that you've given us. We thank you that it is worth living. We thank you that it is everything our hearts crave. God, I pray that you would forgive us for the times when we get off focus, when we, when we compromise, when we don't live the faithful and obedient to the reality of who you are. But we're thankful for your grace and we're thankful for your mercy, that you forgive God, that you restore, that you set us back on track. And God, I pray that you would do that. I pray that you would make this church family a beacon of salt and light for who you are. I pray that people would experience you and, and how they experience us whether it's in this neighborhood, whether it's in our communities, our work, school, wherever it is, let this body shine bright for you and let people come to know you. It's in your name we pray, amen. We're gonna conclude with this last song and if you wanna stand with me and while we do, uh, want this to be a time of prayer, a time of reflection on what you've heard from God's word. The song that we're singing, it's a, it's a prayer song between